So people are divided when it comes to whether or not I should have to pay Lance for the March Madness pool. Some people are saying that I'm a cheapskate. Some yeah, people some say that. Like me, who's tied for first, potentially <laughs> yeah, having yours. your money. Some people, Vince. some people Vince. like myself and Eric Smith, who are tied yeah. for first in the March Madness bracket pool, are saying that you, who's <sighs> one point up on Daniele for dead yeah. last, should, yeah, have to pay your money into hey, the kitty so that the winners of this pool, the rightful owners of your $20, can have it. So, Ennis and I doing this bit yesterday, like, just discussing Lance and me saying that this is what happened, immediately, he doesn't have to pay. He doesn't have, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay. Ben finds out that uh, I owe money to a pool that he might win, and all of a sudden, yeah, right. Ben's tune... Yeah. You should have seen your his face change oh, during yeah. the break upon realizing that he was in time for <laughs> first know, place I, in this pool. That's just immediately, yeah. all of a sudden, team, I'm cheap. I liked this message from Mike, though, who sent me a message that said... Fee could be $150 and you'd still be off the hook. He had to at least save face after the fail and say, I tried Seahawks three different ways and it didn't work. Oh, right? that would have been great. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if Lance did that, you would have had to pay double. Uh, of course, but instead he wrote back, San Fran 49ers, please <laughs> try that. Woof, awful. Uh, only person having a worse day than Lance Kennedy is Tim Peel. Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, the if people haven't seen, Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic going into intermission of the Predators game yesterday saying it wasn't much, but I had to give the, the Predators a bleeping penalty. Um, basically saying out loud the thing that we all understand that NHL referees do, evening up the penalties. And today the NHL says you're not doing a single game ever again the rest of your life. He was slated to retire this year. The retirement is now in effect. Because he's been uh, essentially fired. Uh, let's talk to Chris Johnson, Sportsnet's own, uh, our pal. What's going on, CJ? Wow, this is uh, swift punishment, dude. It's um, it's it's but deserve a little it? bit wild. Yeah, do you, I, like I said, he said the 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 quiet part loud. We all know this happens. Do you think he deserves it? I do because I I think fundamentally as a league. You, you can't have it said out loud. Like, like I, I understand that it's inferred in the game a, a fair bit. We, you know, coaches kind of dance around it sometimes or even outright say it after a game. You know, we all kind of have, have grown up seeing, hey, you know, one team had four penalties, the other team had four penalties. Like, it, it, it's it, the weighting is usually pretty close. Um, but I think to say it out loud is a different thing altogether. And, and what all these leagues have to do fundamentally is protect their integrity uh, and, you know, I, I think that there's a difference between everyone assuming this happens and, and someone getting caught saying it out loud. And so, obviously, it's unfortunate for for a referee that was going to retire in a month's time, but uh, I, I don't think the league really had any other choice, to be honest. Well, it's it's one, yeah, not only just saying it out loud, but, yeah, ex expressing it explicitly, it being a conscious thought, because I think a lot of times when you think of this happening, it's just human nature to try and even things up to just be an egalitarian, but it, I, I know this is the way hockey works and the way the NHL works, and it, it's been this way forever. I don't like it one bit. You, you look at the best teams in the league, and you're right. Basically, power play opportunities are the same as time shorthanded. That shouldn't be. Should the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the most skilled teams in the National Hockey League, be penalized the same number of times they're going five on four? Uh, on four? I think this is maybe an opportunity to discuss a, a root problem with NHL officiating. 
Yeah, and I, and I sense that that's building. You know, like there, there's two parts of the story. There's what happened last night and then this morning with Tim Peel losing his job. But then, I, you know, I think that, that the, the bigger issue is, is, you know, where this goes next. And, you know, I can tell you just from the course of my conversations that I have with all kinds of people around hockey, I, I sense that there's more frustration this year with the refereeing than certainly any time that I've encountered in my career. And, you know, I don't know if that's a sign that the refereeing itself has gotten worse or maybe the tolerance for, for what's accepted is changing or, or, or what it is. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, we're, we're going to see more pressure put on the league and maybe the league itself is feeling the same way. I haven't, I haven't talked to anyone on this issue, but, you know, that, that some things have to change. And, and you know, I think it, it even comes back to a conversation we had very briefly at the start of the season about protecting the stars and all that. I, I think that there's going to be a, a push in that direction. And, and really, you know, what most people are have said, the point I've heard is just call the rule book. I mean, it's not necessarily about, having to, to change anything in particular, it's maybe applying what's already in place a little bit more rigorously and, and, you know, with no regard for how many power plays one team or the other has had. And, you know, that the behavior of the players would, would probably follow because obviously, you know, if you're taking too many penalties, your ice time's going to go, your, your job security wanes. And, and so, you know, I think that maybe this has to start from within. Yeah. Limit the hooking penalties. Don't call those as much because those have gotten aggressively bad. But I saw the pack Versteeg put together on on the cross checks are brutal, dude. I know he put together that highlight pack of the abuse Connor McDavid's taking in the game, and I'm just thinking most of these are right in front of an official. (laughs) Like they're not even. Oh well, he was kind of in a weird area, or it was blocked. It was no, it was right in front of an official. The league doesn't do a good enough job of protecting its stars. Absolutely, it doesn't. The points that Ben raises are, yeah, awful. It's really, really terrible that the Tampa Bay Lightning are in that same situation. And that we all just accept that as a fan. And that if the penalties are out of whack, you look at it and go, well, we are going to get penalties. It's so stupid. And these refs deserve scrutiny. We are a pretty anti-referee show in general, I would say. Uh, We advocate for robot umpires in Major League Baseball. But, yeah, this is really all leagues, man, all of these leagues. These refs, for whatever reason, feel like they don't have any accountability because, quote-unquote, the job is hard. Yeah, that's what the money's for. So figure it out. The league definitely needs to do a better job. And I really do hope that this is kind of a watershed moment where – they look at this and say, we actually better not see even penalties tonight. Otherwise, we're going over the tape. Right. Well, I, I'm right with you there, actually. You know, I think the, the sport would benefit for it. And this could be that kind of moment. I mean, honestly, I, I think most people didn't expect anything to happen based on my Twitter feed. And I know that's a dangerous thing to base public opinion on. But, um, you know, it's it's 10 or 12 hours after that clip surfaces and, you know, referee – yeah, it was only going to work one more month, but usually that's a nice moment for a referee that last game. Usually you got your family there and there's, you know, some kind of ceremony, although I don't know if that would have happened in, with the current situation, but still, you know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's not a, a very nice way to have your career ended for Tim Peel. And, you know, and he's been part of, you know, that's a veteran referee. I don't know how many years he worked, but, but we're talking decades, not years. And he, you know, he's part of the old system. And so, I think there is an opportunity to change things. I mean, one of the interesting developments or evolution in refereeing is they've got a lot of former players that have become referees in in recent years. You know, there's a program the league runs, if if you say top out at university hockey or major junior, what have you. And so, you know, if you have younger, fitter, uh, you know, people that that think like players 
taking that job. And, and, you know, I, I do think that the, you know, the product would benefit from, you know, maybe a different standard being applied, especially to star players. And, and yeah, we, we don't want favoritism, I guess, in some ways, but, you know, I do think that, that those are the guys fans most want to see. And, and Connor McDavid in particular uh, is at the top of that list. And, and so, you know, I, I'm all for a little bit of reform and I, I, I do wonder if we're going to see it here. We've been advocating for players to become referees since Bautista, that mm-hmm. he should have yeah. become a major league umpire, and that was his true calling. Yes. And that's the other thing, actually. The whole notion of, well, this guy's been around for a long time, you know what that usually results in? The worst of referees. He's got tenure. <laughs> yeah, he's got tenure. Yeah. He doesn't – he had no accountability because, yeah, yeah he's been, hey, he's been around. Oh, he's a character. Oh, it, no. He's past his due date, and he's been bad for a long time. This is actually mounting evidence of get rid of the official. Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes, it, look, it, I think experience yeah, sometimes, comes too. And, and, and sometimes, CJ, sometimes. Right. Fair. Well, I'm, yeah. those are your words. I just don't want them put around my name. No, they're All put right, around no. That's fine. Hey, guess no, what? I'm fine Joe to West. stand on... I'm fine to stand on the corner of the refs we know the names of because they've yeah. been around for a really long time and are constantly discussed as being bad are in fact bad and should go and should yeah. we could do better. Yeah, it's right, but someone like Wes McCauley, whose name most people sure. know and, and has done, yeah. you know, he's probably still the gold standard. So we can't tar everyone with the same brush. All right. Sure. You, no okay, Wes yeah. McCauley. No one will come after Wes McCauley, God forbid, in hockey, <laughs> that we would ever say a, a bad word or even risk the insinuation of someone having a bad word to say about old Wes. No, it's, it's uh, cheap pop to go after referees, uh, <laughs> and I enjoy doing it. I'm not going to stop. All right, uh, talking to Chris Johnson. So what's happened here? Maybe let's play tomorrow. This, these two weeks of inactivity, it's basically over. It's done. No moves. I mean, they've made some some waiver moves that have maybe led you to believe that they're getting ready for the big trade. What's happened here over these two weeks? Well, those waiver moves definitely suggest that. And and the fact that nothing has happened, it, it doesn't actually change anything because, you know, for just very simple purposes, the salary cap is, is calculated each and every day. And so every day that Jimmy VC and now Travis Boyd haven't been on the Leafs roster, you know, which has been over a week for VC and, and a couple of days for Boyd, is more cap space that the Leafs have preserved heading into the deadline. So, you know, those moves were all about maximizing their, their position cap-wise, you know, before April 12th. And, you know, as for what's happened, I, I just think that some of the teams that we thought maybe we're going to sell have, have been re- more reluctant. You know, obviously prices are high. You know, I'm not necessarily surprised. And I think what we're waiting for is, is where's the inflection point where, you know, the teams that are, are going to, be selling start to get a little nervous because frankly i think come april 12th or close to it the 11th whatever right at the deadline yeah i think that it's going to be hard to sell players for any team that that's still holding them i you know i don't think we're going to see huge prices paid right at the last second because there are fewer buyers and and it is such a strange year and you get right to the end and you're you're worried about holding your unrestricted free agent or pending unrestricted free agent in a year where you're going nowhere that's not a good look either and so, you know, hopefully for those that like trade activity, we're, we're almost at the point where those, those GMs feel a little bit more urgency or, or nervousness about their ability to trade a player. But, um, you know, Kyle Dubas, it's what? It's been eight days since he told the world he'd trade his prospects, he'd trade his picks, and here we are still waiting for a move. 
This is what I don't understand is what the holdup's been. We've gone over it multiple times on our show, but you have a general manager who actually the, the one moment of frustration I thought he had at that media availability was when he said it takes two teams to make a deal. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, presumably actually dangling a top prospect. I don't get the logic of teams like the Predators holding on to Granlund who almost got hurt the other night because of what exactly? They're four Your points hope- back of a playoff spot. Okay, fine. If that's your logic, then that's actually okay. But the idea that you're somehow holding out for a better – like, is that what's happening here? What, what, why is it holding it out? Is it – Well, I think it is. Well, teams Look, Tanner Pearson in, in Vancouver, the same deal, right? I mean, yeah. Vancouver doesn't want to concede that they're not going to be in the playoffs this year. And so I think they're less incentivized to, to move their players, even though most logic suggests they're in tough right now. If you look at points percentage and all that. And just the, the state of their, their roster, um, you know, I think that that's happening in a lot of places. You know, Columbus had a winning streak, and all of a sudden, maybe they're not selling their guys. You know, Nashville's sort of creeping its way back. You know, now I still think Nashville's going to be trading their players, but I think they're a little less, you know, want to do it right in the moment. I, I've Look, I've never been a GM. Obviously, I, I don't fully get it either. I, I feel like there's an advantage in, in being really clear about where you're at and and. You know, assessing the market and being decisive and not waiting for other people to set the prices and set what happens. Because as I mentioned, I mean, it's it's all well and good to have, you know, assets that are that are generating a lot of interest around the league. But once those assets start moving and the teams that want to buy, like the Leafs, you know, have, have made their move, you know, you could very easily get left holding a player that, you know, essentially will be playing with the string with your team and walking away in July. So I, I'm on your side. I, I think... You know, Kyle Dubas has been an early mover before the deadlines. He indicated his willingness. He he didn't put up any roadblocks in his media availability, and yet, you know, despite that that desire to get something done, you know, it doesn't sound like they made. I don't think anything's even been close. It's not like they're, you know, obviously it's one phone call away with any trade, but you know, I don't get the feeling that uh, you know we're, we're we're waiting for a move today or something like that. This again, I just I look at a team like the Kings and say. Be clear with your intentions. If you have I follow on the block and the Leafs are interested, how have you not sold them already? How have you not leapt at the opportunity? I guess the Ducks, Raquel is still there for another year, so you can convince yourself into being competitive somehow next year. I, I don't know, but it's the same Paul thing. Gary, where New Jersey. If you can, yeah, if you can acquire someone like Nick Robertson, that is a Leafs top prospect for one of those guys, a rental of that market. That's even higher than what the price of acquisition is around this type of silly season normally. So you said you don't feel like anything's been close, but do you have any indication as to where the wind's blowing in terms of who the teams the Leafs are talking to are? Well, I think that all things being equal, the Leafs would like to get, you know, that, that forward for the second line, but someone that, you know, obviously has a skill to play with those guys, but, but plays a little harder, you know, someone that you could expect, to, to show up or, or, or be impactful in, in a playoff series when we see the game play a little differently than it is during the regular season, referees notwithstanding. And so to me, you know, I, I look at guys like uh, Kyle Palmieri as, as being a natural target, you know, but the issue with Palmieri is, is there's, you know, every indication is he's going to sign a new contract in New Jersey. I think he's from the area. He's been with that team a while. You know, I guess the question is, do they move him at the deadline and look to bring him back as a free agent, or does he sign that extension now? You know, maybe someone like Nick Foligno fits the bill, 
but I, you know, I'm not convinced that the Blue Jackets are all that that eager to trade away their captain, especially with the the wins they put together and the fact that they might yeah, still right creep there. into the playoffs. So, you know, I think those are the, the the type of guys that the Leafs would most want. You know, I know there's a report out there about Granlin. You know, and obviously the Leafs have been interested in him in a while, but I, I don't know that he fits the bill perfectly for what they want. And so. I guess the the, the thing I, I don't fully know is have, have they got to the point where they feel like they have to adjust their expectations internally and, and maybe just get the best forward they can, or do you, do you wait around on some of those other situations? I think that's a little bit what they're weighing is, um, you know, if, if they wait a little bit longer, is someone like a Felino Palmieri more likely to be moved or, or are they going to just not be on the market? And, and, you know, I think that's, that's one of the challenges for Toronto. Yeah, I, I would have figured they set their own internal deadline and told teams we have this deadline. It's not the April 12th deadline. It's this deadline. I would have thought it was before now. I right. never would have guessed that we would we have gone Friday. through these two weeks. Yeah, we would have gone through these two weeks where they didn't play. They What, they played two games and since yeah. last Sunday or yeah. two Sundays ago, and we're still talking about what move they're going to make? No, uh, it's, unreal. It's very, Obviously, very this is when they've been trying. Yeah, right, and and so you're looking at it, like if the trade's made today, it's April seventh or something. The, the the player would be coming out of quarantine. Yeah, you know, that's only a month left in the season, and obviously he's probably not playing right away. I mean, the diminishing returns are already in play here because you know, as we know, they're looking for a rental. I think what you're giving up for a rental changes if he's only going to play, you know, eight or ten regular season games, or goes even longer, six. Like it, you know, at some point it, it almost makes no sense. Well, that's what I was just going to ask you next is. Do you think that the top prospect is still on the table? And if it is, when does it start to maybe come off? I, I don't know if it is, but it's got to come off soon, if, if, if it is. You know, it, it totally depends on, on the, the player that you're getting back, but I, I just don't think it makes a lot of sense for Toronto to be adding a player with term at this point in time because it hinders what they can do with Hyman and decisions they're going to make in the offseason and this expansion draft. I mean, it, this is the one scenario where, you know, the Leafs should just take on salary, give up a future asset, you know, not weaken their chances to win at all in, in the short term and, and deal with the consequences after. But, you know, that that's probably got to be the message if it hasn't already been conveyed is that, you know, our, our what we're willing to pay goes down with each passing day. And, and, Remember, I, I still don't think there's all that many buyers around the league. Like, like, there's obviously a few. You know, there's a few natural ones that we could point to. But you know, most of the best teams in the league are like Toronto in that they have very little cap space. So even if they they have an internal desire to fix parts of their roster, they just they're they're completely hamstrung with what they can do. And then you know, there's, there's a lot of organizations that are facing real financial pressure because of what the pandemic's brought to their business in the last year. And and I just don't think those GMs want to add salary, or their their owners aren't going to let them, or however you want to frame that, you know, I, I think the Leafs should be in a favorable spot here, you know, as a team with a clear reason to buy with the financial resources to do it. And clearly the desire from their, their general manager to get something done. So, uh, you know, hopefully someone, hopefully the, 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 the two to tango starts to, to tango here. Mm, yeah. I love the tango. Yeah. We've been talking about motivated buyers and sellers when it comes to the Raptors. Uh, the Leafs are the most motivated buyer uh, to my eyes mm-hmm. without a question. Um, so, you on the weekend said that they're still not out on a defenseman. Elliot Friedman's writing about still conversations surrounding goaltenders. Are those still on the table? Has anything changed since those reports were out there? Not significantly. You know, my read on the goaltending situation is that they won't be adding a goaltender, you know, absent some kind of development health-wise for Anderson or Campbell. 
you know, they're both dealing with kind of fluid issues at the moment. And so, you know, if one of them is out for the season or, or out for an extended period of time, maybe that, that adjusts. But, you know, I, I just feel ultimately they, they don't think that there's, there's a clear option that they could get that that's definitely going to make a difference. That's going to be able to sit through a two week quarantine and be useful and needed. And so, you know, I, Basically, I'm I'm assuming it's Campbell and, and Hutch, uh, Campbell and Anderson rather uh, moving forward for the Leafs, no matter what. You know, the defenseman isn't maybe their number one priority, but I you know I do think they'll look at it, and maybe maybe this is where it, it happens. I mean, look, I, I think ultimately what they're trying to do is make the, the, them have the best team to try to win the cup right now, right? I mean that that's that's the focus, and so if if you can't get it done with a forward, maybe if the kind of forward I, I highlighted earlier doesn't end up being available, maybe. Uh, they'll adjust the sales and do something differently because while there's sort of a need there on the second line, you know, I think it, if you look at the way Tampa won the Cup last year, they basically had one line of offense in the playoffs and they had other useful lines that, that, that weren't getting scored on. But, you know, I, I don't think it's insane to suggest that the Leafs with their current forward group could get through a playoff series, but they're going to need goaltending. They're going to need to play well defensively as they have in a lot of games. You know, they had an 18-shot night recently against Calgary. Last week, you know, they, they, they've, they've done a pretty good job of, of changing the way they play. And so, you know, I could see a scenario where it ends up being a defense when they get. But, you know, it sounds like the, 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 the current focus still is on, on getting a forward. Last one. CJ, have you heard anything on Austin Matthews's wrist? Yeah, I don't think it's as bad as we might be, you know, wanting to conclude after seeing him put up an assist and no goals in the last four games. Um, but it's definitely not 100%. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when it will be. You know, it's it's not entirely clear to me exactly what's going on. I mean, obviously they they feel he can't make it worse by playing. I think that that's self evident because uh, I I don't think they did run their season into the ditch so obviously in that manner when they were first place in the division through the whole time. But you know, I, I know coming out of the four day break they, they had between games last week that he still wasn't totally feeling himself. You know, that the hope if you're them is that he's gonna be a little better, you know, after another four days this week, including, you know, two days Sunday, Monday, where he didn't skate at all. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's it's been a test of patience for Austin. I, I don't think that's why he didn't score in the last few games. There's a few posts in there and, and all that. You know, I think shooting luck is part of what's gone on with him here lately, but he's, he's not fully himself and probably that, you know, as much as we love the trade talk, that's probably the, the biggest determining factor of what the season's going to hold is where he's at yeah. when the games start to matter come May. Yeah, I don't know if it can be made worse by playing, but it's starting to feel like it doesn't make it better by resting. And I think if that's the case, I'm terrified, and so should Leafs fans. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if, if there's anything that keeps you up at night, it's your goal of game forward <laughs> not being able to score anymore right. or, or not being able to do what he does best. I mean, um, that that's, again, more than a middle six forward coming into the team that that's probably going to impact the success or not of, of where the season goes. And, and, you know, I, I, I will say, I, I don't get the sense that there's a huge amount of fear internally or around Austin. I, th- I think there's a comfort that it will get better, but it's just more, it's taking a little longer maybe than, than everyone had hoped. You should see him in practice. He is lighting the lamp. He is filling it up in practice. Yeah. They're not fearful at all about that. Uh, CJ, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks buddy. Hey, Thanks, look buddy. good, Go feel good, one. play good. You know, you gotta you gotta pump yourself up sometimes. I guess so. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> buddy. Talk soon. Yeah. So yeah, this is Chris Johnston. Hockey night in Canada. Uh make a trade, Leafs. Like just just make a 
trade. Uh, you know what? Actually, I, I think it's be on the Leafs. The Leafs. Yeah, it's it's yeah. on you. Hey, Predators, you're four points out of a playoff spot. Who cares? You stink. Trade Michael Granlin. Trade Eckholm. Trade them both to the Leafs. In fact, just let's get on it. And the the Blue Jackets, who are actually only two points out of a playoff spot now as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't There's know. A, this, this 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 whole thing about accruing. There's this whole thing about accruing cap space too, right? Where yeah. I wonder, I don't want to get too much into the minutiae of it, but it does make it okay. easier for the Leafs to oh, you don't want to. T- to acquire someone with salary the closer they get yeah. to April 12th. Is that playing a factor here? Hmm. You know, Mr. Cap Expert, tell me. You go on yeah. Cap Friendly all the time. You're hitting the old trade machine. There's a trade machine on Cap Friendly as well. You tell me. I actually had someone ask me to explain the NBA cap to them couple of days ago and i <laughs> felt like i was doing an episode of drunk history i felt yeah. like i was doing an episode of drunk history like and then the guy went to the town you know it was not yeah. uh it was not very you articulate. got your bird rights and you got yeah, your early exactly. bird rights yeah <laughs> <laughs> you got and your it's luxury used to there used to be this guy named larry bird larry legend they called it. <laughs> and he wrote it into the cva yeah. they're yeah. like okay larry yeah, Whatever like, you want. I want my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the point of all deadlines. It's why I feel confident in the Maple Leafs. It's because they have clear intentions. And you can look at that and say, well, that's how you get taken advantage of because you're wanting to, you're so desperate to do something. No, it's the direction of your franchise. The worst thing you can do at the deadline is be in that middle of, well, should we, shouldn't we? Is there a certain price? Is it this? Is it that? Then you're going to have a front office that's divided with guys who said, well, I said we should have been sellers, and I said we shouldn't have been sellers. And to me, that sows discontent more than anything. You've got to kind of have a pretty uniform idea of where you guys are going within a two-week period of the deadline. And if you are – one of those things can be we're scrapping and clawing for a playoff spot. That's fine. But the idea that you might sell and you have players that the Leafs are willing to once again give you Nick Robertson for mm-hmm. or Rodion Amarov, who apparently is looking great. I've never – I haven't seen a sniff of Rodion Amarov. I don't know who all these people are that are watching Rodion Amarov or getting their scouts, their birds that are telling them about him. But whatever. I'll get it right someday. <laughs> Go ahead. Do the show. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Columbus Blue Jackets. Sorry, Nashville Predators, that the, they're, the Maple Leafs are not operating under your deadline. They have this other deadline. So if you think you're all of a sudden going to win a Stanley Cup in a couple of weeks because you're going to turn into a team you haven't been now through more than half the season, that's on you, I guess. Could have had a Nick Robertson, didn't pull the trigger. Unreal. You're going to get screwed because they're coming off the table right now. And you know I, what I, else? Who should, why, the Leafs shouldn't be trading Nick Robertson basically at this point. I'm with you. I think he's already off the table. Yeah. Nope. you had your chance. You blew it. You blew it, Predators. And all those Nashville Predators fans should be furious and punching their radios. Uh, we're uh, celebrating the 45th anniversary of McDonald's Egg McMuffin. If you want to win a $200 McDonald's gift card, text McMuffin45 to 590-590. Find details at sportsnet.ca slash 590.